You're listening to audio from The Orchard Church in Collierville, Tennessee. If you would like more information about our church or our ministries, please visit theorchardchurch.com. We're going to be in Mark chapter 4, so uh, if you would take your Bible, and this is a familiar story to some of us, but I really think God's going to speak to us about this today. So Mark chapter 4, we're in this series just walking through uh, the book of Mark and rediscovering Jesus and how wonderful he is. So Mark chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. We'll just kind of walk through this uh, this morning briefly. It says, again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat in it, sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So Jesus is so popular at this point, and the crowd is so big, and they're pressing on him, and to keep from being pushed right into the lake, the Sea of Galilee, he gets into a boat, sits down, and begins to teach people. And sometimes, not time change Sunday, but sometimes when our lobby is so crowded, I've thought about asking the elders to get me a boat. So just I'm prepared, and uh, I, I think if I ask them that, they'll say, I don't think that's the right Bible interpretation of this story, so I don't think that would go anywhere. But Jesus is amazed by the crowd. Look at verse 2. He was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, listen, a sower, farmer, gardener went out to sow, scatter seed. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked it and it yielded no grain, and other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So this is the famous story about the sower and the seed and the four soils. And what caught my attention is he begins and he ends it by, by saying, hear. In fact, eight different times in this story, he uses the word hear. It's, it's a word we get our word acoustic from, and it's like it's possible to hear something without listening to it. Have you ever met someone who heard you, but they didn't listen to you? And some of the wives are thinking, yeah, my husband. I mean, that's all the time. And so they don't understand this parable. So verse 10, it says, those who were around him when he was alone, uh, and the 12, ask him about the parables, because it, it just... I mean, they heard the story, but what, what's the point of it? And Jesus explains the parable, and this parable answers lots of different questions. It explains why smart people can't seem to see the truth sometimes. It explains why some of us have such a hard time paying attention during a sermon sometimes, and why some of us just get drowsy when I get up to, to preach. And it explains, why, it explains why some people just feel like they've got to go to the bathroom during the preaching. I mean, from up here, sometimes it looks like a parade. Just pe people leave. And when I get finished, some of you are going to be convinced that people who have to get up and go to the bathroom during the sermon are demon-possessed. So just kidding. Just kidding. But it does answer, it answer, answer the question, why do people respond in different ways to the gospel? Why is it that in the same family, one child has no interest at all in, in the gospel, in the things of God, and another child shows some interest, and then it just kind of loses interest, and then there's another child from the time he begins or she begins to walk, 
She's interested in the things of God and wants to know more. Same family, same parents, same school, same church. How do you explain why different people respond so differently to the message of the Bible? And Jesus answers that question. Look at verse 11. He said to them, this is the little group gathered around him asking the questions, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in in parables. So Jesus says there are two groups of people, those on the inside, those on the outside. Those on the inside are the ones who follow him and listen to him and put themselves under his his rulership, his, his lordship. And he says, to you is given the secret of the kingdom of God. What does that mean? So if you're a Christian, you've been given the secret, some of your Bibles say the mystery of the kingdom of God. In the Bible, a mystery or a secret does not refer to something vague or hard to understand. It refers to information only God can give. It refers to the missing pieces of the puzzles of of, of life. And we're always trying to figure out, why are things like they are? Why is my life like it is? And why is our culture like it is? And somebody comes along and they're a a scientist and they give us one piece of the puzzle and a psychologist or a psychiatrist comes along and gives us another piece of the puzzle and the philosopher gives us another piece. But there are missing pieces and we just can't understand. And the secrets of the kingdom of God, what the Bible calls the mysteries of God, provide the pieces that no one is smart enough to understand. It's information only God can give and that he has to give. 1 Corinthians 2 calls them the deep things of God, things that only God reveals. And you cannot understand a lot about life without God's help. You see, sin makes our heart dull and slanted against God. And we can't see spiritual truth, no matter how smart that we are. Did you ever meet anyone who was so biased that they were so convinced of something that they thought everyone else was wrong? I mean, we see that in politics all the time. The Democrats think the Republicans are all wicked, and the Republicans think the Democrats are all wicked. Well, sin does that to our heart, that kind of thing. We get so jaded against God We're blind to evidence right in front of us, and we can't understand. And it takes the Holy Spirit, it takes the the miracle of of regeneration, the miracle of the Holy Spirit creating the new birth in us to help us to understand things about life. It's not our intelligence. It's something God has to reveal. And the Scripture talks about all kinds of mysteries. Just just for fun, let me share a couple of them with you. Um, 2 Thessalonians 2.7 talks about the mystery of lawlessness the secret of lawlessness. Where does the evil in people's hearts come from? Why is there so much hatred? Why so much racism? Why so much abuse? Why so much violence? I mean, social planners trying to figure all of this out. Why is it that that wicked, awful things happen and in our own hearts? Why do we feel hatred rising up and bitterness? And why is it so hard to forgive? That's the mystery of lawlessness. And you won't understand why that is unless God reveals it to you. Or the mystery of godliness. That's 1 Timothy 3.16. It's the counterpoint of the mystery of lawlessness. 
It's the secret of how do you cope with life, all the pressures, all the demands, all, all the frustrations and the perplexities. How do you handle those kinds of things? How, how, how do you become effective in the life? of That's the secret of, or the mystery of godliness. And here in Mark, in this story, Jesus talks about the mystery of the kingdom of God, the secret of the kingdom of God. What is that? He says to those of you who have, have been, it's been given to understand the mystery of the kingdom of God is the fact that God is involved in every single thing that happens in the universe. See, our world says, our, the world thinks really God, the coronavirus, the market's fluctuating like crazy all over the world. God is removed. If there is a God, God is removed. God stands back and he looks at us, poor, mere mortals, and we're trying to figure all of this out. And the mystery of the kingdom of God is that there is a God who is deeply involved and working everything according to his vast cosmic purpose and plan. That he's at work. That he has purposes. And this is the mystery of the kingdom of God. He's working out his plan. And so Jesus says to you, the insiders, the disciples, and people who are coming to me, to you is given to understand this. And then there's a second group that he mentions. That's people who are outside. Look at verses 11 and 12. He, says, he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but to those outside, everything is in parables so that they may indeed see but not perceive and, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they turn and be forgiven. Who are the outsiders? It's people who are not disciples, people who are not interested, people who are not coming, people who are not asking questions. And it, it may, even on a time change, time change Sunday, it may be some of us, church members, regular attenders, but really not disciples, not under his lordship. And the truth is hidden from us. So we get parables. We get these simple stories and the question is, how do you become an insider? How does an outsider become an insider? And he tells us, you, you come to Jesus. Even with your questions, you, you, you come to Jesus. You draw you, near to him. You, you try to understand. So Jesus says there are two groups of people in the world, two groups of people in this room. Every one of us falls in one of these two groups. To those who are insiders, the understanding of the fact that God's involved in all things, that he's building a kingdom, that he's working according to a plan. And some of us hear that and we want to know more. We have questions. We're seeking understanding. And some of us just react negatively. We're not interested at all. So you can imagine in this story, two people are talking. And one guy's named Bob and one guy's named Jim. And Bob comes to Jim and says, hey, you'll never believe what I did yesterday. What'd you do? Well, I, I wanted to find what all the buzz was about, so I went out by the lake, the Sea of Galilee, and I heard Jesus teaching. Well, what did he talk about? Well, he talked about seed, and when you put seed in the ground, sometimes it produces something and sometimes it doesn't. And the other guy says, what? It was hot? A crowd? That's it? It's uh, a waste of time. And Bob says, I don't know. This has really got me thinking. What is happening into these two people? One is being drawn toward the Lord. One is wanting to ask more questions. He's moving toward the inside. The other person is outside, not interested at all. It just seems like talking about 
UFOs or foolishness or child's fairy tales. So Jesus explains the parable to those who are wanting to know more. He explains it. Look at verse 13. He said to them, do you understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word. So he's told this story about this farmer who goes out and he's scattered. And he's, let me tell you what that means. The seed is, 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 is the word of God, the logos. And if that sounds familiar from John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. So he's, he's helping to plant Jesus in people's hearts. The message of Jesus, the, the, the word of Jesus. And the sower is anybody who's trying to get the word out about Jesus. Maybe you give a devotional book to someone. Maybe you invite someone to church. Maybe you talk to someone about how God answered a prayer. You, you're sowing. And you're sowing and you scatter seed indiscriminately. It's not that you're trying to figure out, is this person ready? Is this person have the soil? Or... It's not that you say, well, Uncle Frank has no, he's such a blockhead. There's no use talking to him about the Lord at all. He's going to reject. No, we don't do that. We're like this sower who just goes out and he scatters the seed everywhere because he never knows what's going to happen. And Jesus wants, to, wants us to understand that the reason different people respond to the gospel has nothing to do with the seed. I mean, there's life in the seed. You're given the right circumstances, the right conditions. You plant seed in the ground. Nutrients are there, and sun's coming down, rain, and photosynthesis takes place and, and produces life. The problem is not the seed, the Word of God. The problem is not the sower. He's doing his best he can just to get the Word out. The problem is... And the explanation why different people respond differently has to do with the condition of the heart, how a person receives it. I mean, the seed is the same. There's a God in heaven who loves people, and there's a Savior who can rescue you, who died that you might be forgiven from your sins, rose from the dead, and will bring you into his kingdom. The seed is the same. The problem is not the seed or the sower. What is different is the condition of the soil. The same sun that melts ice can harden clay. So he talks about four different kinds of heart conditions, four different kinds of soil. Some people, he says, when they hear the word of God are just indifferent. Look at verse 15. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. I became friends with a, um, a Dominican uh, businessman, Spanish-speaking businessman. He wanted to practice English. I wanted to practice my Spanish. And so we became friends. And we, we talked about a lot of different things. And, and I, he learned that I was a Christian. I talked to him about the Lord. And I invited him to church one time. And he came. And I was so glad. He seemed interested. And after church, I said, Miguel, what did you think? And he said, well, it's okay, but I, I just don't think that's for me. I'm just not really interested. And what seemed to be some interest in him, it was like seed fell on concrete and bounced off. And there was no interest, whatever. He was indifferent. And Jesus says some people are like that. And Satan comes and steals away whatever is there. You ever had an experience like that? You ever had the experience of talking to someone, a friend or a family member, and it seemed to have some interest, but then just no interest at all? Got a guy in our neighborhood. It's a great guy. When, during the summertime, we're outside um, 
mowing grass or whatever, and he's outside. We'll talk together. Um, I really do like this guy. We talk about hobbies. We talk about our families. But if I say church, or if I say Jesus, or if I say God, he just closes down, shuts the conversation down. You have friends like that? You have loved ones like that? It's like the seed just bounces off of the path. It can't germinate. Just no interest at all. And that happens in worship services. Sometimes I think preaching is like spiritual warfare. Because Satan will do anything he can to divert your attention from what is being said from God's Word. And he'll take good things and somehow get your attention off of it. And it's like he snatches away and Somebody, some of us are, are um, students, and, and we're sitting and listening. This is, this is important. I, but our phone goes off, it buzzes, and someone's sending us a text, and i got to respond to the text, and there's pictures here. Pretty soon I, I've lost it. Or we leave the service, and where are we going to go eat? And we, we've lost it. And he says, some people are just, it's just like that. And some of us sit and listen and we'll say, well, I hope so-and-so is here. <laughs> hope they hear this. Not realizing this is for us, and Satan is once again taking our attention away. So that's the condition of some folks is just indifference. Other people are superficial. Look at verses 16 and 17. He said, these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, but, but they have no root in themselves, and they endure for a while, and then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And Jesus' audience understood this because so much of Palestine has bedrock underneath it, about two inches underneath the soil. And so if you buy a plot of land and you're not real careful about the survey and soil examination and you try to plant something in that soil, because it's shallow, it grows up immediately, it warms, it heats up, but then the heat of the summer sun comes and it just withers away because there's no place for the roots to go down to draw up moisture. This is the person who hears the message, and there's this immediate response. I love this. And they believe for a while. But then something really difficult in their life takes place. They didn't expect it, and they fall away. This is like Peter the night that Jesus is arrested, and he can't take the heat of standing around the campfire while people are questioning him. I've seen this happen as a youth pastor many years ago. Kids would go to camp and get all fired up. And then they would come back and it's just gone. And I came to understand it's a response to a feeling. It's a response to three days of high sugar diet and no sleep. And, and they're responding. They're responding to the music, but not responding to Jesus. And there's, and there's no root. The proof of faith is not the intensity at the beginning. It's the endurance to the end. They said, well, Pastor, don't you believe in once saved, always saved? I do. I really do. I re- I, the Bible says and teaches so many places that once Jesus takes hold of you, he will not let go. But at the same time, the Bible teaches the evidence of real saving faith is you can't stop. You persevere. You endure to the end. So you got an indifferent heart, and then you got a person who's just kind of superficial. There's a third category, a third group, verses 18 and 19. Others are are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word and the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and desire for other things entering in, 
They choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. And Jesus uses three. He describes seed that's planted in what looks like good ground, but there are thorn seeds and weed seeds there. And he mentions three kinds of thorns or seeds. Worries, cares of this world. What's going to happen? Riches that are deceitful because they promise what they cannot deliver and desire for other things, pleasures. Question, if you looked around for a country where worry, um, riches, and pleasure was paramount, what country would you choose where those are most evident? I'd choose our country. It's really interesting. The gospel is growing like crazy all over the world. In China, the underground church, even with the coronavirus, millions of people coming to Christ. Central America, they're having these citywide prayer gatherings and thousands of Christians uh, will gather. There are some nations in Africa that they are telling us are Christian nations where so many people have come to Christ. Not happening here. The largest, fastest growing religious group in the religious category on the surveys is the non-religious, the nons. Why? And a lot of people are saying, because the gospel in this country has been planted in this third kind of soil. And people are just, the worries and the cares of this life and the desire for more and uh, desire for pleasure choke the word. They just steal the nutrients. They steal the life. And so it raises the question, what is it that chokes God's work in your life? What would that be? You like being in church. You like hearing the word of God. But your kid has competitive soccer or dance. You just can't come that much. Or you got this new lake house, and hey, God wants me to enjoy nature. I mean, God reveals himself in nature. And you just you can't come that much. And your phone goes off. And the word of God gets choked in our life. And some of us don't follow through on obedience to what the Lord says because it's just been choked in our life. And it's not this conscious rejection of Christ. We just get distracted. We get diverted. And our heart gets divided. And there's a last category, verse 20. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it, and they bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and a 100-fold. And when the word takes root in your life, there's this amazing thing that happens. There's this kind of generosity of spirit that gets generated. There's this love for other people. There's this sense of kindness. There's a new kind of patience and, and understanding and, and faith that God's at work in. All of this fruit begins to be born, and it's not all instantly. There's a, there's a process, but there's, there's evidence. And I want to say one last thing to close. Soil conditions can change. I used to think this was referring to four different kinds of people, hard-hearted people and uh, distracted people and shallow people and then some people with uh, four different kinds. I don't think that anymore. I think he's referring to the condition of a person's heart when they hear the word of God and conditions can change. They really can. Soil can change. 
rocks can be uprooted. Thorns can, and weeds can be pulled out. Soil, hard soil can be tilled and plowed. The conditions of a person's heart can change. I saw that happen. I was reminded of it last night. Many years ago, a guy called and he said, can I come in and see you? And I said, sure. This guy came in and uh, he got right to the point. He said, I'm a businessman. I'm 40 years old. I've made more money than I can spend in a dozen lifetimes. But he said, I sleep in a separate bedroom from my wife and my teenage girls don't want anything to do with me. And I'm getting these health problems. And I've never been interested in church and never had any interest at all in the afterlife. But I'm beginning to wonder what's going to happen when I die. So he said, let me just ask you a question. Here's my question. If I gave a lot of money to your church, do you think God would let me into heaven? I said, let's give it a shot. (laughs) And he did just what you did. He just laughed. He said, you're kidding. I said, sure, I'm kidding. Sure. And I talked to him about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus, and he walked away from Jesus because money was his God. Success, getting ahead, business was his God. And this guy said, no, no, it couldn't be. I said, yeah, that's what it was. And I gave him a book by Billy Graham called Born Again. And I said, I think this is what you're looking for right here. And he left the office. And I kind of forgot about him. One year later, I got this phone call. And my secretary said, there's some guy, he's really enthusiastic, he's on the phone. And I picked up the phone, I said, hello. And it was this guy, and he was yelling into the phone. And he said, hey, I've been born again. I've been born again. Can you believe it? Me, I've been born again. And I'm hoping he remembered the thing about the money. <laughs> None of that took place. Been born again. The condition of his heart changed. Soil conditions can change. What if, as a church, we just began to pray for people we know, friends or family members who are far from God, whose hearts are cold and indifferent, or they're just really distracted, or they're just kind of superficial? What if we really begin seriously to pray for people that the conditions of their heart would change? That hard hearts could be tilled, plowed. Rocks could be removed. Thorn weeds can be pulled out. And God's doing all of that. People can change. People can move from being outsiders to insiders. Maybe that's someone here. Maybe you're the one going, I think someone's been praying for me. Condition of my heart changing. Because all of a sudden, I I want in. I, I want to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. I I want to be in the kingdom of God. And you realize your heart condition is changing. And I would say to you to do just what these people did, and that is you go directly to Jesus and you ask him to plant his word in your heart. You ask him to change your heart. You ask him to let you into the kingdom. And you begin to see fruit more in your life. I want to close by asking us to stand for just a moment. Would you just stand with me, please? Um, Would you bow your head? 
would you whisper before God the name of a couple of people you know who are far from God for one reason or another. They're not interested or they're distracted or their hearts are divided or just maybe one time they were involved in the Lord's work or not, not, not now. Would you whisper before God the names of a couple of people and would you ask God to change the condition of the soil of their heart? Because soil conditions can change. Whisper their names before God. Just whisper their names. You're listening to audio from The Orchard Church in Collierville, Tennessee. If you would like more information about our church or our ministries, please visit theorchardchurch.com.